Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. While Christmas may seem far away for us now, as we're still trying to hold on to what is left of that summer weather, Christmas tree farmers are already working diligently to prepare for the holiday. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. Greg Han of Hans Christmas Farm in Oregon shares more on what growers are doing to prepare, how the season is going, and inspections that they need to pass. Well, with the field inspection, what they're trying to do is... Um, Make sure that any pests that could be spread from state to state will be inspected and make sure that those aren't carried over state lines. Growers that do not ship out of the state have a three-year window of inspection, and growers that are shipping annually out of the state then do have an annual inspection, too. What types of pests or diseases are they looking for? Here in Wisconsin, there's still uh, the gypsy moth is still being carried sometimes in Christmas trees. So as a grower then, how are you working just to manage that moth and other pest issues in your day-to-day thinking? Yeah, so for pests, what we really are doing is a lot of springtime scouting. In our associations, Wisconsin Christmas Tree Producer Associations, we have biannual meetings where we talk about those pests, dad cap comes in and talks to us about pests. So we are very vigilant on our scouting. And then once you scout for pests, the times of just spraying for any bugs are over. Uh, as growers, we're very vigilant to make sure that we don't kill good bugs. There are good aphids that eat the bad aphids. And uh, the pesticides now that are in the market are very selective. As growers, we make sure that timing is perfect. We're spraying at the right time and we're not over applying pesticides decides to affect the good environment pest. What needs to be done in order to ship trees out of state? And are there certain ones that get shipped out of the state that are preferable? Well, Wisconsin is a licensed grower, so every grower has to have a license. And with that license comes the state aid that gives us certification to be able to ship out of state and ship even in state too. Those certifications still for growers that ship both ways, they still provide them for all of their shipments coming through, which, yeah, it makes it a lot more streamlined uh, process as we're shipping into other states. Those states are accepting them without any slowdown. As you probably know, our uh, Christmas time is very busy, making sure we have a very short window to cut those fresh trees and make sure they stay fresh, uh, getting to different lots in different states. Speaking of that window, how has the growing season been? And obviously trees, they're not just growing in a few months or a year as typical other crops do. How have this crop or the trees over the years been impacted by different drought or heat waves? That's one of the things that we really like to educate people on, that this crop is an eight to 10 year crop. So you could see a drought year and say, oh, the trees are going to be affected by it. But trees that are being harvested are eight years old this year. So they're well-established roots. It would take a very major drought to affect a six to nine foot tree. But somewhere down the line, as those little trees that are affected, the small one to two foot trees that are affected by the drought, you might see some of those a little bit higher demand for different trees because of that. A lot of times we can catch that up because if we have one bad year, the next year we're planting more trees 
and that tree can usually catch up in that eight to 10 years. So we're really good as an industry because of the long time that we have to make sure that our supply is good as it could be. What type of care do you give those younger trees to ensure that they are good for eight years to be able to harvest in that time? That's another thing that people think, well, you just plant that tree in the field and you walk away and then in eight years you come and harvest it. (laughs) Irrigation with the changing in the environment, irrigation is coming into most of the Christmas tree farms, a lot of them are doing some kind of irrigation, especially in that first, second, and third year uh, they get irrigated. We also are supplementing uh, nutrition in the field. We are putting nitrogen on or other nutrition onto the trees. We also are doing some weed control underneath that tree because the weeds are pulling some of that moisture out of the ground. So we make sure that uh, the weeds are cleared uh, either under the tree. Some growers uh, clear it just like the bean and corn fields where they take all the weeds out. But most of the growers are keeping an aisle where we still mow that aisle just for sand erosion and also for heat, uh, keeping the soil temperatures down. Has there been any issues getting pesticides or other things due to supply chain or inflation? We've been very good with supply chain issues. That hasn't been a problem whatsoever, but we are feeling a large inflation costs on herbicides and pesticides. Glyphosate, which is also known as Roundup, has gone up almost three times in just this one year. We also feel with those nutritional with ammonium sulfate and some of the other nutritions that we put onto the soil, those have also doubled over the course of the last couple of years. So yeah, inflation has uh, affected us quite a bit with some of those supplies that we directly put onto the trees. You know, we talked very quickly there about pesticides and herbicides, and it made it sound like we're spraying them on, you know, every single day or every single week. And it's not. The pesticides that are put on are are usually sprayed in April and May, and that's all. And it's a small amount that is sprayed onto the tree. The herbicides are applied three times a year, so we're really just not using that much of them that I don't think they're organic push is there just because we use such a minimal amount already on the trees that I don't think it's in the customer's mind like fruits and vegetables where we're consuming those, you know, putting them into our body. So recently there was a push for some non-native planting, depending on where you were. Would you have to change soil to fit those different varieties or how does that work? So I'm in Wisconsin and I am growing a non-native tree, which is a Fraser fir. A Fraser fir tree is non-native to Wisconsin. So yeah, Wisconsin pHs are in the sevens. A lot of the egg farmers are trying to push those pHs up because we have a low pH. In the Christmas tree industry, we're trying to push them into the fives because that's the Carolina soil and the fives. So to say it's a non-native tree, to me, I'm already dealing with non-native trees. Now, more to your question is we're taking some tree species from Europe and bringing them over and trying to grow them. And that's fine. But at this point right now, the customers aren't asking for them. So it's a small, small percentage of those exotics that are brought over to actually try to make them into Christmas trees. How would you educate, whether that's youth or parents who maybe are set on having artificial trees on 
the importance or benefit of having a real tree and how that benefits agriculture? All the time we're trying to educate the younger kids. Uh, We go to the farm expos and different places where we teach those kids that this is a crop. It's an agricultural crop. We are a specialty crop with the USDA. We're planting trees every year. Most of the farms are planting two trees to every tree that they harvest. Real tree production is on an upswing. We are getting new growers every day. And it's kind of exciting for our industry to be kind of turning the corner from an older generation into a younger generation wanting to grow trees. So we are educating kids, and we're actually in the high schools, too, as The trades are diminishing in the United States. We are also educating the youth that Christmas tree farming could be a career path also. So it's neat to get into the kids and tell them that this is an agriculture crop. It is grown in rows. And I think we're getting away from the 1930s, 40s, where those trees were grown in the wild. And that's how Christmas tree production kind of started. And that pasture land isn't good pasture land anymore. So we kind of let it go and the balsams grew up and then we started shearing them. And then we said, well, there's got to be an easier way. And we started planting them in rows and started turning them into more of an agriculture crop. And it's always fascinating to the kids and even the high schoolers that understand it a little bit more to tell that story so they understand how it kind of progressed into agriculture. Many of the people right now are probably thinking, oh, it's the end of summer. No, please, I want that warm weather. Or they're, you know, getting ready and gearing up for the fall. But they don't realize is you guys are already thinking about Christmas. So what do you guys have to do leading up to Christmas to prepare? So our whole industry starts pretty much April 1st. So we're planting trees starting in April 1st. Uh, We're doing that herbicide, pesticide programs throughout the summer. We're irrigating, we're mowing. August, we start shaping the trees. So the new growth comes out and then we shape them using a shearing knife or machines and get that perfect taper. We're always trying to get the perfect uh, leader or the, the perfect point that you guys put your stars or angels on. So that takes a lot of labor too. And then a lot of the growers are either tagging trees or selecting which ones are going to be harvested. At our choose and cut farm, we actually put price tags out in the field on the trees so people know the height and the price of it before they cut it down, which they enjoy that, knowing exactly what they're paying. And they even like more knowing exactly the height because you're in the middle of 50 acres and you don't know what seven foot or nine foot looks like. And uh, it, it saves a lot of marriages that way. So we're, we're to gear up now is we're actually selecting what trees we're looking to harvest. The other thing that a lot of people don't think about is that we produce a lot of greenery here in Wisconsin also. We make uh, quite a few wreaths and roping and garland and uh, centerpieces, and that greenery comes from our farms too that's harvested off of the bottom of the trees. Or there's a whole other industry in Wisconsin. You can get permits and go into the state-owned woods and cut balsam branches. So along with the Christmas trees, those people are also gearing up to get boughs and make green wreaths and getting supplies for that kind of thing. And it really does go hand in hand in our association meetings. We talk about wreath and garland production also. And you specifically on your farm, how many acres do you have or how many trees do you have planted? At Hans Christmas Farm, we run about 80 acres uh, between the land I own and the land I lease. 
that runs to about 80,000 trees. You can get 1,000 trees per acre pretty comfortably. With that, if there's a 10-year rotation, we're trying to harvest close to 6,000 trees a year. And that's what we try to sell also at our farm. We're one of the larger choosing cuts in the state. As an industry, we go from small farms that have 5 to 10 acres that they harvest 200 trees up to uh, wholesale tree farms that are harvesting 100,000 trees a year. That was Greg Han of Hans Christmas Farm in Oregon. There are over 1,000 Christmas tree farms in Wisconsin with over 36,000 acres of trees, creating an economic impact of over $50 million annually. You can find a list of retail lots near you by going to christmastrees-wi.org. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.